Welcome to episode 29 of the Pitbox Podcast. As you can see, well, there's three of us today. I know you guys haven't seen Mary in a while. <laughs> She's back on the scene, finally. Uh, hopefully, she'll be back for some more episodes. But, you know, she's a busy woman. It is what it is. And then, of course, we have one of you guys' favorite host of, I mean, guest of the year so far, Jordan Wallace. Back uh, his season. You flatter oh. me. You flatter me. <laughs> I mean, favorite guest. That's crazy. That's listen, wild. The street said what the street said. Right. <laughs> it was two guests so far this year. Everybody <laughs> really has been feeling. It was right, you right. and Jackie Dang. All right. Hey, now, hey, I you know, uh, like I'll 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 take that. I'll take that. I I've known Jackie for a long time. Too. I've known Jackie since he was probably like thirteen years old. So that's kind of crazy. <laughs> like uh, like. Yeah, I'm, and he's killing it. So, like, yeah, I, I, I don't doubt his popularity. Me, on the other hand, I'm, I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a humble, broke race car driver. So, <laughs> relatable. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> for real, for real. So, no, like, it's good to be back, guys. It's um, it's it's it was a pleasure the first time. So it's it's awesome to be invited back. It's a it's it's an honor, and I'm. Excited to chat with you guys again about all things motorsports. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'll hop right into it. Uh, if you guys don't know, Jordan actually was racing in DTM Trophy this year with FK Performance, a BMW team racing the M4 GT4, the previous gen now, uh, which we'll get into later. <laughs> of course, this is your first official foray into European racing. Correct. Now, Correct. of course, it was challenging. Uh, definitely just like anybody else in racing, there were ups, there were downs. Oh, yeah. Just talk to us about the journey. Like, <laughs> you know, talk, to us, talk to us a little bit about the preparation. I know we spoke about it last Oof. time with iZone, but you know what? How about this? Yeah. Maybe not. Let's, let's, let's skip past the preparation for the preseason Let's get yeah, into yeah, yeah. during the season. You yeah. had your first race, the first few races, and then you realize what? <laughs> well, uh, you know, first couple race weekends. Well, first race weekend was a big wake up call. Um, just in terms of pace of of the drivers around me, and um, the mentality I was going to need to bring to the rest of the season was very different from what I was coming from with Porsche Sprint Challenge, which was, you know, more gentleman driver-esque, more, you know, not necessarily club racing, but just more kind of laid back and, you, you, you know, um, slow moving. This was uh, probably some of the most elite GT racing in the world. And the Germans especially take it extremely serious. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very it's, it's, it's an all out battle, you know, for, between all these teams. So um, it, it was just a big wake up call in terms of, you know, how m much things were going to be moving variables throughout the, 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 the season as well. So uh, I kind of realized it was one of those moments where it went from, this is no longer, you know, a hobby, a fun thing to do, or even just the fact that I'm feeling blessed to be here to, 
you know, it's time to, to wake up and, and, and start fighting before you get yourself hurt. Right. Like, and, um, I think that was the big thing after weekend one that I had to learn and take going forward. But, uh, I would say the biggest difference between the European side and the American side going into it for me was just the scale of everything. And then the, the pace at which everything moved on a, on a race day and all of that was very, it was very go, go, go. Um, the, and working with the teams, the cultural differences of like, a, my personality and B, my Americanness, <laughs> um, both of which uh, I think can be a benefit in some realms and can be a hindrance in others. So it was just trying to find a way through a lot of the certain issues and situations to make sure that I was being understood or I was understanding a situation well, uh, not to mention every track was brand new to me. Uh, I had never been to any of the tracks we raced on this year. Uh, the car was brand new to me as well. We worked really hard in the off season to try and get adapted to the car. But, you know, I think, you know, I did something on purpose, which, you know, being older, I, I jumped into the deep end is, is what you could say, you know, this is the only single driver GT4 sprint series on the planet that had this level of drivers in it and i kind of threw myself right into the deep end of it at, you know wanting to get better and i think we took our lumps <laughs> and uh -huh. uh, and i i learned a lot i think you know the progression throughout the season was amazing but um obviously looking back on it now for me the results aren't quite what i would wanted but you know the the, the things i got out of the season were incredible for sure so, of course, you spoke about you had to make adjustments once you actually got there and yeah. realized what the situation was. So what changes did you make that led to the results getting better as we saw throughout the season? Um, I think it's a lot of it actually is is mental approach. Um, you know, like I said, I think, you know, coming from the American side of the racing, um, especially at sprint challenge level, things like that, it's more gentleman driver, like I said, very laid back, you know, you, there's not a, you know, a, a very strict schedule to the day, like per se. I mean, there is, but there isn't like, you know, it's, it, it's slow moving. Um, this was a, a, a lot different in that respect. Um you know, between the practices, qualifying and races, and then the data sessions, uh, um, team meetings, uh, you know, everything in between, you know, autograph sessions, you know, all, all of it was um, made it. So it was a bit more of a just frenetic weekend normally, um, not to mention the level that you had to bring every time you got in the car was, was extremely high. Um, you know, a lot of times it, on the American side of things, at least before you get to IMSA or a place like that, um, you, you know, you have time throughout the practice sessions and qualifying things like but times like that, where you can keep building, let's say, uh, 
I would say in this, you need to be done building by the time you get in the seat. Uh, um, and so, so I, I would argue that the, the biggest difference for the um, American layman or a young, you know, motorsports, you, you know, enthusiasts from America is European racing is very similar, like at least at the high level is very similar to the NFL or the NBA or any, any sport like that, where, you know, at practice and games everywhere, you, you have to be on and you have to be bringing it 110% every time or somebody's going to clean your clock, <laughs> you know, and you're going to look real dumb real quick. You know, um, there's no, there's no room for half stepping, you know, in the series that I was in, there was no room for gentlemen drivers. There's no room for any of that, that, that sort of business. So it, it, the mentality had to change, like, you know, from, from the jump, from the moment you got in for first practice session, you were trying to be as, in, you know, just outright deadly fast and to, to the point where you may wreck the car. And um, that was, you know, something that, you know, I had to develop into um, along with having to, you know, manage that with, you know, the expectations of the team and the sponsors and the fact that, you know, I'm learning these tracks for the first time. So I just think I had to change my mental state from one where it was uh, I'm learning and building throughout the weekend to, you know, I need to be on it and bring my, you know, like killer instinct from, from the word go. So. Okay. All right. I know, of course, uh, you stayed in Europe most of the season and we're putting in some extra work at iZone. Yeah. So you talk about some of the things you did there and some of the people who are helping you. Yeah. So I definitely, um, so spent majority of the season based in the UK training at a place called iZone that we've spoken on before, uh, at, at, uh, based out at the Silverstone circuit. And, um, a uh, lot of simulator training there uh, and specifically working very closely with Ben Green, the uh, last year's champion in DTM Trophy. Uh, and and then also David Pittard, the Aston Martin factory driver, um, both of which have been very helpful in my development and learning the car for one, but also these European tracks and these European culture of racing and politics and you know, all of the, the, the little intricacies that go with, you know, such a, um, you know, professional industry and environment, you know, I, I guess that you could kind of say that, you know, I'm, I'm like an American soccer player and I've, I've gone to play in the, you know, premier league or someplace like that, you know, I'm moved over to Europe and these guys are my guides, you know, they've kind of helped me navigate it in, in all realms. And, you know, I think what's been really interesting and cool was, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but throughout pretty much the whole entire season, you know, um, we all stayed together. We roomed together at every race weekend and everything like that. So I would say I got way more out of, you know, the off track time with them and the, you know, away from the track time with them than I did on track. I mean, obviously, you know, those guys are a wealth of knowledge that was very helpful, but I think for real, 
it was um very helpful to be around two extremely professional young guys guys that were younger than me but were deep into their careers and um you know were definitely helped guiding guide me through um an entire different culture and landscape so this is cool yeah i feel you now i know one thing that obviously we have in common is that we're both minorities like real minorities <laughs> in this game <laughs> i'm a little pale right now like it's winter time so like, I, I get i get i, I mean, get paler in the winter but uh, i think i think i win this one. <laughs> oh yeah yeah you, you definitely do but, we gotta send you but, to a beach pretty soon <laughs> um yeah like uh being the only minority on the grid i mean i you know i'll be honest in that respect I didn't really notice um, partially because I joke that Europe is, is America in the nineties when everybody was like, Oh no, like we don't see color. Like, it's just not a, it's not a thing. Like there's definitely un like large undertones of systemic racism going on all around. Right. Like, like I had to show my past a lot more than my counterparts did to get into the same places. Um, let's say that, but outside of, of of that you know like it was there was no big deal made of it of me being there whether i was there or not the big deal probably was more made over the fact that i my hair is this color and uh i like to wear nice clothes sometimes you know on my way to the grid similar to another you know uh black racing driver that <laughs> everybody likes to talk about all the time so um We'll just you know, outside of that <laughs> um i'll be really honest like i you know i didn't really notice and you know i have a caveat for that i have to be truly honest um there is a really awesome and amazing documentary film crew that has been following me all season long actually since before the season started and they're mm -hmm. based out of hollywood uh, the director and executive producer is is uh, a young African-American dude, um, also uh, uh, a veteran Marine, like really awesome guy, loves motorsports um, and, it, you know, has worked with the likes of Race Service and several other big media outlets a lot. Um, he also directs feature films that, you know, have won all types of awards that you know film festivals and things like that so he's brought his film crew with him and yeah. so for the majority of the season about five out of the seven race weekends i had a film crew of like four to six uh black hispanic and asian dudes there filming me like which <laughs> also was i mean literally i became like like throughout the grid like i was known as the dude with the film crew from la like you know like and you know um it was uh it was also really cool too because i didn't realize this until like the third race weekend but one of them came up to me and told me he was like yo bro like i'm i'm from new orleans i've been working in la for like four years you know doing lighting and all this other stuff and like before this project i didn't have a passport like I you know like I had zero prospects of ever leaving the country and like he was like bro you're just like you're expanding horizons like like and I was like 
I'm trying to focus on racing. Like, (laughs) 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 but it was really cool, like to to be able to share that with other young minorities who, you know, like this is a new world for us, and um, to see all of us working and thriving and and doing well, you know, that was that was really inspiring. Um for my 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 future endeavors going going forward and all of all of this so it was it was it wasn't as different as i thought it would be i mean in certain respects obviously like i said there's some systemic stuff and they they're way more like i'm not gonna acknowledge it like but it was also way more like friendly and being treated just as a human just as a driver you know things like that which was was not i mean it was no my my race was never brought up like i don't think anybody still knows that there was an african-american in dtm trophy or any place like that like you know uh what was brought up was my pace you know in and whether or not i was doing things right you know so that was different as an african-american man in a sport that like on the american side has always felt like I'm allowed to be here, but the moment I start doing well, somebody's going to find a way to try and, you know, say I'm breaking the rules or something, you know? So, um, yeah, this, the Europe is, is, is different in that respect. So. Well, let me ask you this. Did you feel like independent of everybody else? Did you feel that you had to put on for the culture? And you know the culture I'm talking about. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I, you know, I don't think so. Uh, I will say this: it did, it does feel like the like the culture of motorsports and the culture of like sports in general and the way we view it is changing and progressing and evolving but as a driver it still feels like it's very dangerous to step outside of what's expected of you you know and being a black driver i find that it's not necessarily that more is expected of you but i would argue that like let's say 30 30 to 40% of what is expected of you is stuff that you've never had or seen in your life, you know, like, so you're trying to learn and understand these, these things that are going on or these ways that people, you you know, like that, I would say that's the only rub I've even had with like my coaches and, and, and the people helping me in that respect is the fact that, you know, as much as they want to help me, the one thing they can't help is the fact that they don't have a strong understanding of the, let's say, um, systemic issues that can get in the way. The, the, you, you know, especially from a mentality standpoint, you know, racing is a very entitled and egotistical sport, right? We have to believe that we're the best when we get on the grid and that we're, you know, going to wheel this you know multiple hundred thousand dollar machine around like it's a toy and we're we're and we're we're the best at it and you know oh that trophy that you got over there just so happens to be mine as well 
thank you i'll take that right <laughs> like it's that's that's the mentality you have to have and when you start getting to a level where cars cost as much as a house in my world right like the level of entitlement <laughs> i believe you have to have in your mentality along with bravery skill and and other things like that is where i i find it sometimes hard to let's say communicate or navigate you know where my uh you know younger you know white and european counterparts don't don't really have that issue you know it's almost like they're born with it in a sense um you know or raised with it so you know their mentality towards certain aspects of how you go about this is is different right like um and i i think that that was the biggest difference i saw um to be truly honest but people treating me different nah if anything like I said it's like the 90s and like yeah you're a novelty but like at the same time <laughs> like it's an exciting one for them it's not a a, a a we don't want you here you know um so I think the hope is from their perspective that the sport's expanding to a to a good place in that sense you know but I think part of that requires you know the old guard, which is 95% of racing to understand that, you know, minorities, women, anybody coming into the sport that doesn't have those distinct advantages that allowed them to get there. So a lot of times with, you know, a fair amount of ease, you know, until, until we can get, you know, a little more, let's say understanding, especially from sponsors and, and series, and things like that for you know supporting you know you know leveling the playing field let's say like i think it's uh it's going to be tough no matter whether you're in europe or america or wherever right yeah no, definitely you know but kind of it is what it is right it's a, <laughs> it is what it is man like, sport if you're not bringing a bag unfortunately you will be on the couch <laughs> mm-hmm, 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 exactly but, you know, to uh, lighten up the conversation a little bit. Yeah. Of course, you had the chance to drive at a multitude of different tracks this year in Europe. <laughs> Some tracks yes, I did. were pretty famous, such yeah. as Imola, Hockenheim, Spa. Yep. You, know, you had the chance to go all these places, as well as a few other tracks as well. Mm-hmm. How were you... Well, obviously, we talked about the process of getting to learn the tracks and it being right. the first time, but which three were your favorite from the year? Oof, okay. So started the year at Louts It's Ring, then we went to Imola, Norris Ring, then we came back, we did Nürburgring GP, Spa, Red Bull Ring, and then Hockenheim to wrap it up, right? What an amazing list that is just in general. I mean, part of the reason I picked the series that that I wanted to be in was the fact that all of these legendary epic and almost more than 50% of them were F1 tracks, you know? So it was, um, that alone was just incredible. Um, Top three. All right, let's go. Let's go. Number three, 
Number three is going to be Red Bull Ring. Um, it looks simple on paper. It is not simple in real life. Um, and it the track races really, really well, actually. Um, and I loved Austria. Austria is a really cool place. Um, I also that that race weekend was very interesting all of i mean you'll you'll you guys will enjoy this and also uh um mary you may you may find this more interesting than steven will but at one point i was having lunch on saturday in the dtm hospitality area at um at red bull ring Mm-hmm. and i'm sitting there eat, having lunch with david pittard because he's coaching me that weekend and um he kind of leans into me and he, he, he points like to like two tables over from us <laughs> and, and he's 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 like he goes there's Helmut marco and i'm like what and like i turned around and he's like yeah red hoodie and like sure enough tell marco like got a hoodie on and he's like trying to eat and like play it real cool but he's got like a red bull hoodie on like it's like pretty obvious yeah pretty obvious like right (laughs) and um and then he just like he's like and then and then like we're sitting there eating and we finish eating we're sitting there talking and then the moment him marco gets up david's like all right we're taking our stuff out we're gonna go out with him marco (laughs) right like (laughs) right next to him and um no it was just like there's like just just really cool stuff like that so red bull ring was awesome it's the I'll, I'll say this too it's the five-star hotel of tracks <laughs> like like in terms of like in like, like open to the public and things like that like you get there you walk in and it's it's gorgeous it's like marble floors and like there's a museum and like it's just like there's the tunnel the bathrooms are fucking immaculate like it's just <laughs> it's a it's top-notch facility um you know what's funny so you know obviously haven't been there in person yeah I really like the track yeah i i understand like it's relatively simple yeah but, like i the really elevation like the change and 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 the technicality of it are really 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 fun and um like i said it races a lot better than you would think too in terms of the action between cars and everything is really really good um so I, I really enjoyed red bull rings yeah so that's number three yeah and i'm all right and i obviously i understand why you said she'd probably appreciate the helmet. <laughs> thing, which is, which is true you have to admit it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I'm still a hater though. <laughs> it is cool. Like I, I respect his contribution to the game. Yeah. But sorry, it's on my resume. I'm not a fan either, per se. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't like, no I'm, I'm not a fan. Like I'm not a fan of like 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 the red bull f1 team let's put let, let's be clear um red bull as of recently because of their affiliation with dtm i've become addicted to um not of my own want but it just happened um like there's certain flavors they're just so good um <laughs> so now red bull ring was number three for sure um, all right was number, number two, two imola um just special just a spe- like and imola the track itself challenging fast like technical race as well um and it you could feel you could feel an essence of there like uh, you know like you could f- it's almost like in a weird way 
you could feel Senna there in a sense, right? Like, you know, like it was, it, and it's like, it's a track in a park and it's like in the city, like the city's like this dope little town. It's not very big. It's kind of chill. Um, the place I stayed was an Airbnb, which I walked to the track every day. Mm-hmm. I did not have a rental or anything like that. Like I would literally, or sometimes I grab one of them little scooters or whatever, but like, yeah, like 7 a.m., like walking through a little Italian village, like to Imola, like, like it, that was incredible. Um, Pete, it plus the food, <laughs> all of that. Um, it was hot as shit. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Um, it was definitely a, a, a warm race weekend, but Imola was really fun. And that was my second race weekend. And it was the first time I had actually started to really find pace and you know fight for positions and things like that uh so that that was that was good and um and i would have to say number one spa spa is special it's it's um it's massive for one thing i we walked it and like my electric scooter died by the top of a rouge um you just thought it (laughs) yeah it's bro like it was like no shot like um the but yeah it's just i mean i got to race spa too in a way that was pretty incredible in the sense that like the first day it was wet saturday it was like wet on half of the track and dry on the other half like you know like there was just so many different aspects um not to mention like uh, I had a really good race where I went from like 17th to 10th, I think, or something like that. Um, you know, I made a last lap pass for points, you know, which was, which was nice. Um, yeah. Like I, spa was, spa is incredible. It's, I mean, put it this way, like, yes, unless you're in some sort of awesome aero car, you are lifting for overage. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Um <laughs> Uh, or unless you have a crazy slow car like like um like in the gt4s and gt3s you're lifting right like so like you basically flat and fifth turn into the left over the left side curbing at the bottom of the hill and then you lift turn back to the right and as you do that you basically what people don't can't it's hard to describe is the compression like like you literally like it it's almost like it feels like it's like multiple g's but like it just pushes you down in the seat and you can't you know like and then as you come up the hill all of a sudden it unloads and then you like are almost floating and like that's incredible um yeah like i mean just everything about spa it, like the area is, is amazing the little town of spa is awesome we found this little steakhouse in in the town of spa called domino steakhouse if you're ever in spa go there they serve all the steaks on hot rocks and they're delicious and tender and amazing and the owner sam is a boss he's cool as hell he like came out in like an off-white hoodie and was like, yo, you guys are American? He's like, I go to America for NBA games. So I'm like, what? The, <laughs> what? Like, this dude's nuts. Um, but like, yeah, like really, really awesome facility. And like, once again, just like Imola, you can feel 
an essence to it. There's some, you know, yeah, like I feel like I learned so much as a driver from these tracks, you know, honestly, too. Um, the one thing I will say is the tracks with character in Europe are still actually very smooth and not trying to kill you. It feels like the tracks with character in America are trying to kill you. Like, like they're like, they're just like, like, you know, like you just, they're just, they're all over the place. So you get, you know, what, like Laguna? Different style. Huh? Like Laguna. Oh, Laguna's actually pretty good. Um, I was like, like VIR is awful. Okay. Like, um, <laughs> okay. Road America's scary. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> Have uh, you done? You've done Watkins Glen, right? Watkins Watkins just got repaved, and it's awesome right now. Is it? Oh, oh. nice. I've driven it in the wet. You can run the 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 dry line in the wet, like full. T- oh my god, it's terrifying, but like it's so good. <laughs> oh, I'm so down for that next year. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. Watkins, Watkins is probably my top two or three in America for that's, sure. Yeah, it's that's my favorite. It's so fast, like, and what's crazy about Watkins is like you don't like when you're in it in racing, you, it just flows, so you're just going. Mm-hmm you get out like at the end and you're like holy crap that was fast like i <laughs> i could have that could have been bad so many times like mm-hmm. the yeah, that, that's kind of how spa felt spa felt like a big watkins like like a twice the size of watkins glen watkins glen you know what i mean like, oh man don't tell me that now i need to yeah, go over there <laughs> yeah it's epic it's really 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 awesome and nice. like i mean my first race at spa was full wet so going up Eau Rouge, I started 15th or 16th. Great for me. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> but like, it was literally like, I wish I had the in-car footage. It's just a wall of water. Like you don't see anything. The spray coming off of 15 other cars going up Eau Rouge. You just don't see anything. So you're just kind of guessing where the corner is, you know, at hundred miles an hour, like, which it, it was just trial by fire and i i just feel like i learned so much from these incredible tracks and having to like you know pace up to these guys so quickly was 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 definitely a great skill builder so yeah well it sounds like you don't even think about how crazy it was until you get out of the car and then you're like you really oh boy that was wild i I, if i ever did i think that would mess me up i think that's what kind of messed me up the first race weekend was I was in my head about how crazy this is and all this other stuff. And I, you know, I even had a, you know, a, um, a wreck in the, in the second race on the first weekend. So I just didn't, it wasn't, I, I wasn't in the right mental space. I think going forward, I found that, and at spa, when I went from 17th to 10th in that race before the race, man, I had gotten to a point where I, like, I was like frothing at the mouth. Like I was ready to fight someone. Like mm-hmm. I was so amped up and focused and and things like that and I think you know that's kind of the reality is like I think you know a 10 years younger me would be ripe for 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 battling for every championship in Europe in the sense of that mentality Mm -hmm. I think 35 year old me right now is more um uh I'm just in a different place mentally and uh I think you know going forward we'll have to to see what that means but I think it was a really good experience um, all the way around. And the tracks were just the icing on the cake for that, you know? Yeah, for sure. So I was actually going to ask you, yeah. 
something along those lines of how did you handle all the pressure mentally of the media attention with having the film crew with you and just the different scenery in Europe and all <laughs> the intensity of the race weekends? How did that translate to your driving and how did you handle that? So I'll say this. So the film crew stuff was actually like, I didn't really notice them at all. I've, that's how I've been <laughs> my whole life. I don't know how I'm able to be like that because I'm not, I'm definitely not like a, a attention person or, mm -hmm. and I, I definitely have stage fright, but when Same. it comes to those guys, for some reason, like <laughs> they were that part, not so hard. Some of the other media attention was a little tougher. Um, you know, just pressure from, you know, being an American new, um, I think people, you know, I think in Europe, they look at anyone who comes in with any level of self-assuredness or confidence mm -hmm. or anything like that as someone who needs to back that up with, you know, exponential amounts of success mm -hmm. right away. And I think that made it a little tough for me interacting sometimes even with you know uh my team or anything like that um so that that part was tough i think the other tough part for me mentally uh this past season was um like i said the run of the day and 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 how certain things went like qualifying i was just abysmal at all season <laughs> i think probably a mixture of not knowing the hand cooked tire very well and um you know, not trusting it. Mm -hmm. And I think also just coming from the American side of things where qualifying is treated very much like another practice session. Um, right. a lot of the time, um, obviously we care about qualifying and it's part of what we, we do, but, um, on the European side, qualifying very similar to formula one is that almost everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I spent all season learning that the hard way. Um, <laughs> You know, like I said, I, I have right. probably, I think I can probably say it was at least five or six races where, you know, I started next to last or dead last and would run it up to a points paying position. Right. But, you know, imagine if we could start in a points paying position spot, you know, where we could end up. It was, uh, it was that sort of season for me. And I think mentally that was very hard um, because... I normally wouldn't feel very, um, let's say, negative or in my own head about a bad qualifying session. You know, mm -hmm. that you know, start dead last, still gonna run it up the front. Right. That's how I feel. You know, ego. Right. You know, like and and also like you know, if you believe you're a good driver, that's what you believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, right? Um, and you always want to focus on the positives, obviously, and take exactly. You want to you want to wanna... mental space. Exactly, but. I think the culture of things in Europe is, is, and I think, you, you know, I'm not trying to, to, you know, it's all only what I've seen, but um, I think the culture of things over there is a little more, you know, things have a, a order and a place. And if you've been defeated in qualifying, then you've been defeated, mm. you know, is kind of the mentality, you know? Um, and that was hard for me because it felt like I would come back and after qualifying and, I knew I didn't have a good qualifying or something like that, but then to, to feel a, that I had let my team down, but a B that they were like, kind of, 
reciprocating that yes we've been let down we don't we you know we feel like right. oh, oh well there it goes you know like that was that was a different thing for me you know the american um people you know teams and people i've worked with you know yeah like i said it just doesn't really matter where you qualify it's great if you qualify up front but if you don't the mentality is still yeah take away the positives and right you know run it up to the front that's where you're right. supposed to be go go Keep get it going, yeah. um so that was probably the hardest thing uh mentally all season long was I felt like I would get a little bit going, learning these tracks, you know, on Friday, go into Saturday, have an uh, qualifying, know that I was going to be able to run it up further towards the front, like no matter where I qualified. But after that qualifying, it kind of felt like it would take the air out of the team with me and things like that. And then it would be tough to recover from there going forward. Right. You know, and then even if I would have a good, race you know we'd go into sunday qualify again and be the same thing over again um which i take a lot of uh, you know all the blame for that was a you know a personal development thing that i'm still working on and um but these are all things that i think you know given the high pressure situation they became more apparent quicker right you know um, right and you know you still it sounds like you still took a lot out of it oh god yeah like i I believe that I'm I'm twice the driver I was at the beginning of the season in a skill uh perspective and I think it's just it's just tough because you know sometimes you've got to you know have a rough season have a have a tough time of it for a while to learn some of the lessons and and gain some of the experience you need to gain too I think you know I oh, think for sure. you know I did this on purpose and I took a gamble whether it's going to work out or not and whether it's going to keep you know like my sponsors and people like that happy I, we'll see because you know I know it's been you know that's the other tough part mentally for me this year is that it mm-hmm. because of the 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 not so good results you know it's been hard on me it's been hard on my wife it's been hard on my coaches and and i zone because of their expectations and 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 the work that we're all putting in it's been hard on my sponsors you know who you know are supporting me in a way that you know is just unheard of and um you know for them you know they don't they don't like seeing me get beat up and you know you know things like that so it's been mentally that's that's been the 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 grind of the season i think you know um it i think in certain senses i think it would have been nice for it to have been the grind of to have been fo- being focused on trying to win races or like right. get the end, next nth out of of this or that but this year was about you know the fact that my life changed from being you know you know what i would call normal jordan who worked an hourly job and did you know everything he could to try and pursue a dream to the Jordan who is fulfilling the dream and the goals and is in that life and is trying to learn how to be a whole different animal and like I said I'm a little jealous of you know these younger European and white kids who you know seem to have been born into this a little bit so they're 
comfortability with having to jump up to certain things or take shots on themselves when in you know in something that's you know like a car that's not theirs or something like that you know and take someone else's money and just basically light it on fire you know and and have and do it with a confidence of yeah yeah I was right you weren't you know like it's is something that um I didn't realize it was going to be such a learning curve or developmental stage for me. And it has been, it's, you know, it's very hard to get out of that head, that phase of driving with your wallet and driving in your head and thinking about all of these things instead of just focusing on the driving. Yeah, exactly. And then not to mention every once in a while, it creeps into my head that apparently I'm making history at times with being the first African-American to do this or that or whatever, like, you know, right. Uh, and that's I, a lot of pressure too, right there. I, you know, like I don't even try to, you know, put that in my head too often. So it's been, but it has been interesting. So, um, but like, I think mentally the toughest part has been the fact that I think culturally Americans, like you said, are focused on, you know, the positive, even in a negative space, you know, a lot of the time, especially sports and things like competition and stuff, our whole mindset is like, it's not about you know, how you win. It's about how you get back up after you've been knocked down. Like the whole, that's our mentality. I think the European mentality is much more based on like, you know, their, their systems of like rule, you know, which is, you know, like you, you keep trying to class up and when you do, then you'll have the pedigree to, to be successful. Then you'll have have the the results, you know, and until then you don't deserve that. You can't get that. And that's not, who you get to be, you know, um, and you definitely, if someone who has been doing this for even a year longer than you is just showing that they're a little better than you right now, then you have no chance of being better. Than them. Right. That, that's the mentality that I took from it, at least, you know, like a lot of the time. Um, it sounds like you have to constantly be asserting yourself and showing yeah, that you're better I, I than think the next guy. Asserting yourself is one thing. I think, you know, also um you know maneuvering in a way that allows you to um you know not be let's say undermined or sabotaged too like uh, i think very political in that yeah there's a lot of politics in it um a lot obviously guys showing up and you're saying yourself you're saying yourself i just want to drive a race car yeah exactly and then dealing with all um, this (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah so I think there's there, there's some of those things that you know I wasn't ready for mm-hmm. or to adapt to and I didn't adapt very quickly to them so I think you know I'm learning and and it's uh it it's getting a lot better and um yeah no it's just different you know it's not it's not any worse or better per se um I just say it's different so right for sure all right what other um, questions have, you guys got? I did have me? one last question for you. Yeah. Um, how does the the G eighty two GT four compare? <laughs> so I did just get to try the G eighty two GT four. I believe I'm one of the first customer racers to get to try the car. Uh, this was just like a week ago in Barcelona. Um, also, exciting. an amazing track. Didn't get to race that track this year, but got to test there just recently. And amazing track, incredible city. Mm. highly highly recommend (laughs) um the car is a immense leap forward from the f82 oh my goodness i mean the f82 is a great gt4 car one of the the best gt4 cars that they've ever made right like most successful ever Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it was a very basic GT4 car in the sense that it was one of the early ones. They, it was one of the ones where they took a cage, put it in there, you know, you know, rudimentary TC system, ABS system, things like that. And just to make it into a race car, right? Like, whereas from there, a lot of the other manufacturers started going the route of stealing a lot of the GT3 parts from their GT3 car and putting them on a more production car and calling that their GT4. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's what this new BMW G82 is. Uh, the traction is on another level. Um, <laughs> the old car, that was the biggest weakness the car had it was fast in a straight line rotates well um is very positive feeling for a driver but lacked you know traction on exit of the corner i mean it just had so much power that you would i mean most second gear corners for the bmw were third gear corner and mm. you were still spinning the tires on the way out like it's just it had so much torque for an inline six that it never wanted to put the power down um and especially in the wet, it struggled big time against a lot of the GT4s with more advanced TC and mm -hmm. which is traction control and ABS and, and those sort of things, right? Um, the new G82, I got to, the luxury of it rained in the morning in Barcelona. So I got the luxury of driving it in the wet and in the dry. In the wet, it's light years ahead. I mean, mm -hmm. just the, the traction. Now, the one thing I will say is it's very similar to the old BM. Uh, the F82 in the sense that um, the new car has an eight-speed gearbox. It's the one out of the street car. It's the eight-speed automatic gearbox. Very smooth shifting gearbox, but still short, uh, short gear ratio. So you're in a much higher gear than you think for certain corners mm. than normal, I guess, if you're used to driving a lot of different race cars and stuff. Normally, there's a lot of second and third gear corners um in the bmw it's a lot of third fourth and sometimes even fifth um for for these corners because of the way the gearbox is is ratioed um the tc settings are incredible now like i mean it's got 10 or 11 different settings for that wow. um cool it's just a lot more positive feeling car uh we had it on a, a lower power setting but it still was pretty quick in a straight line <laughs> um yeah, just a big, big step forward. I think it's going to be a pretty lethal GT4 car going into the future. Still one of the bigger. How does it compare weight-wise to the uh, F82? Uh, to the, to, to the, uh, so I believe that it's it's suppose, supposedly it's heavier mm -hmm. than, the, than the old car by a few pounds. Okay. But in driving it, it feels like it's like 300 pounds lighter. Okay, so it corners a lot better. Yeah, it, it it's a lot more positive on the front end, uh, like in terms of like it's a lot easier to rotate, like you know, um, and that yeah, I think it's just going to make it a a, a awesome. lot easier to race for someone to just jump in and race it. Um, that was always the the gripe or the the the, the thought is that the BM is it takes some time and some development to get there in that car, whereas something like the Mercedes you can jump right into and because the traction control is so advanced and the ABS is so advanced, you can almost like throw anybody in there and they can plant their foot and go. And it, 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 it works pretty well. Um, awesome. how, so, how, are the, how do the cars compare under braking? Oh, uh, um, the, actually what's funny is the old BMW, I believe, and this is just 
I'm stealing my thoughts from Ben Green. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I agree with him 100%. The old car had a little too much brake. It was the brakes off the GT3 car. And it was like, it was great for the first 80% of the brake zone normally, but the last 20%, it was almost too much brake and the car would really overslow. And then you would struggle to get the right type of rotation. You had to be really finesse with it, right? The new car it looks like what they've done is they've shrunk down the rear calipers, especially just a little bit, like just a slightly smaller rear caliper and everything. It just has a little less brake and that actually balances the car out. Um, so the, I think it's, I think it's going to be a weapon um, on the GT4, you know, side. I think it's definitely um, going to give the Mercedes, you know, and Porsche the, uh, a run for their money. I think, uh, I think it's going to be a solid, a solid evolution, especially for the BMW drivers who are all very used to a car that is a lot simpler in, in its methodology, you know, having all of these extra traction control and ABS settings and things like that, that can give you more grip and more confidence going into the corner. I think it's just going to make a lot of these BMW drivers are a lot better too. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing them out on track next year. <laughs> oh, I, I am too. Well, the one I got to drive was all black, you know, matte black. So it looked like a Batmobile too. So it looked <laughs> it, pretty, pretty awesome in that sense. So um, I think it's an exciting new GT4 car. Um, and I think it's going to, it's going to, it's going to definitely be competitive right out of the gate for sure. They're going to, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the BOP. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's always what it's about. <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I know, of course, next year, well, at least as of right now, you don't have your plans locked in per se, because unfortunately, DTM trophy just got the ax. Uh, for those who don't know, DTM was sold to it's ADAC, right? That's Correct. The ADAC Masters, another German series. And well, yeah, ADAC AD is they're, they're backed by the German government. They're basically like Germany's SCCA. Okay. So yeah. so they're they're the the sanctioning body for for everything, and and DTM was like privately owned, kind of like NASCAR, right? Like, and the Germans. Like they didn't, they felt like because they were both GT3 series, they were competing too much. And um, so the answer was for ADAC to buy out DTM, which meant that what you would think is that DTM would come over with all, all of their tiers with them, DTM Trophy, DTM Classic, like all, all of those. But instead what had happened was they just wanted the DTM name because it's been around since the 70s it's wildly popular around the world and um they basically said they're keeping dtm as a series they're renaming gt masters dtm endurance so there'll be gt3s two drivers hour-long races that sort of deal uh and then and then there'll be adac gt4 um, which is uh, another two driver hour long, you know, race series. Uh, and then you'll have M2 Cup and Carrera Cup. And that's what will be the race weekends now. So sadly, DTM Trophy, which was, as far as I could tell, the most elite 
and one of the only single driver GT4 Sprint Series on the planet no longer exists. And uh, it's sad because I think, you know, it was a hotbed for some of the most talented young, you know, GT drivers on the planet. Like, I, you know, I, I think what's lacking in the GT community is single driver sprint racing. Like, I don't understand why we have all these cars and we're not sprint racing them. They're only good for endurance. Like, like I understand that like a lot of the endurance stuff comes to trying to split costs and things like that and help, you know, on that front. But I, I genuinely believe that it's really sad to see that go. And I'm glad that DTM is still keeping their format of single driver and everything, but, um, there's a void in, in all of motorsports throughout Europe and North America and Asia for that matter too. Uh, where's the GT sprint series that we all deserve, you know, where's the, the 30 to 45 minute, no holds barred, best drivers on the planet throwing down GT series, you know? Um, so no, that's, well, it's, you know, it sucks, but I know of course, you're, you're cooking up a few things. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave that for another time. So oh, yeah, yeah, you know. You come back you know. for three. I'm sure I'll, I'll go on a rant someday about that that on uh, on one of these podcasts. So. <laughs> yeah. They're but but the future for me, um, I'm, I'm going to say this. I uh, Like I said, it, this, this year was rough on – me my my family my sponsors everyone and i think there were a lot of discussions at the end of the season that made me feel like maybe there wasn't going to be a year three you know and then with trophy going away it really like but at the same time um you know i i didn't embark on this path blindly and part of what I've done in what I've chosen to do in the series I've chosen to be in and everything was trying to place myself in the right spaces, the right times and the right, you know, uh, you know, um, mindset. And I think that has offered me, um, some testing opportunities and, 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 and a new path and a new vision and, 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 and everything for, for my career, uh, you know, being, 35 and and you know not the young sprightly man i used to be all that kind of stuff is is neither here nor there now and uh we're 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 international race car driving so it's uh it's happening and um so 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 basically for me the future is bright and um i believe that looking at it right now most likely it'll be in a GT4 car this year, this, this next year in 2023. I'm not exactly sure, but, um, but I have had some offers and opportunities from teams in different series, whether Europe or North America. So we'll see, we'll see. I'm excited about that. Uh, but I wanted to announce to the world through you guys, I guess, you know, and through this awesome podcast that, um, my main goal going forward, uh, after receiving a, a rating from the FIA of bronze, uh, I'm a bronze rated driver as, as 
sad or bad as that may sound, it actually is a, a beneficial thing to me in my career. And it, it actually fits, you know, who I am as someone who didn't get my opportunity until much later in life. And um, as a bronze driver, I've become, you know, I, I, with my pace and with my experience, um, I've become a somewhat of a commodity on the endurance racing market for the pro-am teams um, because I'm a strong bronze who uh, is bringing some experience and knowledge to the game. So I'm shifting my focus to endurance racing and um, mainly becoming the first African-American to win the Daytona 24 hours, the first African-American to win the Sebring 12 hours and the first African-American to win 24 hours of Le Mans. Oh yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very and I think we're, we're on the right path. You know, it's within touching distance. And I think the next step is really reaching out not only to, you know, the black community, my, you, you know, my community, but also reaching out to my community, which is the car community, the enthusiast community, the, all the grassroots people who have come from, nothing to do what they want with this sport in their life i'm 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 making a call out to all of you guys to to get behind the, me and what we're gonna do to change the sport in general uh like like you were saying Stephen, i've got some ideas for how how things can be different throughout all of motorsports and how it can serve a lot more people and I think me achieving some of these goals and getting on those stages is is, is the key to that. And, um, you know, I'm working every day on my pace and, and on what I need to do on track to make it a reality. Uh, I think now it's about putting it out there for, and letting it be known so that people can get behind what I'm trying to accomplish, which is to make history, you know, like, as far as I can tell, and through my research, I can't even find an African-American that's participated in any of these big races, like the 24 hours of Daytona, 20, uh, 12 hours of Sebring, 24 hours of Le Mans, I, Willie T. Ribs, Bill Lester, like, I, I can't find any of them, like, and so that being said, um, I'm trying to break down some doors, man, I'm trying to open this 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 up wide open and so that you know people can see that we're here we love this stuff we want to be a part of it and it's not because you, you know you haven't not seen black people because they don't like it right like we like fast cars um <laughs> you know uh it's it's one of those things so i am extremely determined i'm working extremely hard i'm training you know, I, I do four sessions a week remotely with the iZone coaches. Um, you know, I'm in the gym five days a week. I'm, you know, and I'm on the phone constantly with teams, you know, uh, about everything from GT4 rides to LMP3 rides to try and secure, you know, whatever I can to to prepare myself to to win these legendary races. Um, I, I, Steven knows I've been talking to him recently about trying to race 24 hours in Dubai. I have two, I I've actually had three seats offered to me all around the same price, uh, for, um, 
in terms of what sponsorship I need to bring. And uh, I just have been so caught up in the season and living in Europe and then coming back over here and everything that I just haven't put the diligence into to, to bring in the right sponsorship and support. And I think that's going to be a big thing that I, I need to do in the next two months, which is reach out and, and connect with, uh, with, with my community to let everybody know what I'm doing and how, a, how they can help and b how they can get involved because I want to bring more people into the sport. Well, there we have it for the world to hear on the main <laughs> We're going to get it done. Hopefully I'm on the podium with you. Alamon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We make that happen. And, uh, yeah, like as usual, as you guys know, everybody's social media will be in the comments below. Make sure to follow, stay tuned because moves are being made. We're always mm -hmm. trying to elevate and take it to the next level. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. I appreciate you guys, man. Pitbox Podcast, you guys near and dear to my heart, one of the first podcasts I've ever done. I really appreciate you, Steve and Mary. Thank you guys so much. Like This has been a pleasure as usual. Pleasure as always. Thanks for telling us all your stories. It's oh. awesome to be here. Thank oh, you. It, it, it was, it was a, I can't wait for you guys to see it all on, on film. The documentary is not even close to being done. I believe we've got another year or two in the making, so this should be interesting. And uh, you hey, guys will actually be it. part of it. So uh, yeah. I hope you uh, like being famous. And uh, I really appreciate all the support. And um, to anyone out there watching, keep pushing, keep dreaming, and keep working at it. One of the biggest keys I'll tell anybody in this sport is be damn good at your job. So whatever it is you want to do, work at it all the time. You're never done getting better. And uh, keep pushing because the the dreams will become goals and goals become reality. Boom. There we go. And we'll catch you guys on the next one.